The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Hey guys, it's Deb. And I'm Peter. And I'm Jess. Welcome to episode number two. First of all, I want to thank everyone out there for listening. And I want to give a shout out to Doc and Ringo for our very first review on Apple. That was super cool. Thank you, guys. Yes, thank you. I also want to thank Sharon for posting on our Facebook page and Brandon for giving us a shout out as well. We really appreciate that. Thanks, everybody. That was awesome. Thank you, guys. So for this, our second episode, we are going to be talking about the first five songs of Garth Brooks's first album, his self-titled Garth Brooks. That album was released on April 12th, 1989. It was released on Capitol Nashville Records, and it was produced by Alan Reynolds. And it actually shipped a really modest 20,000 units because he was a new artist. The cover image for the album was shot by Bev Parker. And something funny that I found out about it, Virginia Team, who was the art director, she actually hated the shadow that was across Garth's face. But Bob Doyle loved it. He thought it brought mystery and intrigue to a new artist. So I thought that was a really cool thing to learn about it. So we're going to go to Pete, and he's going to talk about the first song. I am very excited to be able to start this off with the very first song on the album, Not Counting You. Never lost in love, not counting you. Not counting you, I've never had a heartache. Not counting you. I never have been blue There's no exceptions to the rule I've never been nobody's fool I've never lost in love not counting you Not Counting You was written by Garth. It was the first song on the album and the third single that was released this song was found in a long list of songs that Garth had gathered over years while trying to get his career up and going. The time that they had pulled music and songs from some of these lists was a time where Garth was not sure that he was going to want so much of his own stuff on this first album. One thing that he was nervous about was the amount of songwriters in Nashville and he's always been one to say that you can't outright Nashville so he was worried with so many different songs that he had written that they were pulling to put on this album may have been too much for the first album they were releasing of his at that time they were going to release the song not counting you Garth didn't know the power that the song was actually going to have after it had come out and it was released he says that a lot of the times when country artists go in and they write songs, they write a lot of songs for females. And this song, it had an interesting mix of 
character between men and women, I guess you could say, as the characters in the song. Um, and when it came out and it was released and there were lyrics in there, there was a, a line in the song that really grabbed Garth as far as the attention goes. And it was when it comes to heartaches, it's better to give than to receive. And I thought about that and I was like, man, I'm, I'm torn on it, on those lyrics there because you could be the bad guy to give the heartache. You could be the bad girl to give the heartache, but you don't want to be the poor person getting the heartache or receiving the heartache. And I thought to myself, I, how, how do you want, how do you know which one of those, what side of that you want to be on? So I thought, man, that, that is like the, the lyrics in that song and some of the lines that are said to me, it was, whew, I, I don't, it's, it's uh, he's right when he says that the character and the interest in the song and the way that it ends up going, that it, it in, ended the way that it did. Garth has always been a very emotional and open about his emotions and being so emotional, I think it's what set up that song as a good record opener. And he actually admitted that uh, in the book um, that they had wrote part of the anthology. It actually went on to be the opener to the live shows at that time. And to me, it was crazy how a song he didn't have a lot of trust in actually ended up starting off the album being the uh, third single off of the album and then actually opened up the live show. And at that point when they released it, it was like, you know, Hey, here we are. This is what we're about. And they were off and running with it. So I thought that that was a, a pretty interesting outlook on the way that the song ended up being so important to the Garth Brooks album and obviously his live shows at that time. So that's what I got on that song. You know, one of the things I really like about that song, I like kind of the double negative of it. The I've never not counting you. So I kind of see that as like a double negative. Like when he says, I've never got down on my knees and asked the Lord above. And he goes on and then he says, yeah. not counting you. So I love that. That to me is the writing in that is tricky. And I think it worked out really well. I, I thought I was really impressed with the lyrics for that song. I like it too. And one of the things that I noticed about it and that I think is interesting about it is it's a strange juxtaposition between the music and the lyrics. Um, because what comes to mind to me is upbeat heartache because it's really a sad song. It's about a sad feeling, but it's very, the music of it is very upbeat and you kind of like dance along to it. And it's strange to, to kind of dance along to something that's not maybe very happy. Yeah, that's true. It's very Absolutely. upbeat, all things considered. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. There, yeah. there was a part in the anthology where he was like, you know, you listen to the song and you think it's about a female, but then when it comes to the end of it, you're like, that poor guy's crushed. And I'm <laughs> like, I never even thought about it that way. I read it, I went back and I listened to it and I thought, that poor guy's crushed. I, I never even thought about putting a guy into that position until I read the anthology, went back and listened to the lyrics from the op opposing side of where I had always listened to the song from. Holy moly. That was crazy. Yep. Yep. Very much. I love that. Yeah. I love that about writing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's like, it goes back to that storytelling they talk about. That's right. Okay, Jess, time to talk about your song, the second song on the album. Okay, guys, I have the second song on the album that was not a single, um, but it is, I've got a good thing going. 
This may be California, but Oklahoma's in her eyes. And I've got a good thing going. It's plain to see she's tired of hanging on. This song uh, obviously was released on April 12th of 89 because it was just released as part of the album as a whole. It was written by Larry Bastian, who, as an aside, also co-wrote Rodeo and Unanswered Prayers, which were kind of more songs that I was more familiar with. I had heard I've Got a Good Thing Going before, but um, as I mentioned in the last show, I was pretty young when the first album came out, so some of these songs I didn't know as well. I don't identify with this song as much, so I haven't listened to it as much over the years, but it's still a good song. It was also co-written by Sandy Mall, Garth Brooks's ex-wife, and Garth himself. Uh, an interesting thing about this, I did some research, mainly reading in the anthology, the first five years book about this song, and Larry Bastian's family was actually from Spain originally, and they were a family of shepherds, and so he was kind of drawn to the countryside and ended up in Western California living on this mountaintop, which is where he had Garth fly out to to write. And he has a very distinctive style for how he likes to write music, which is to go out on these long walks and not take any paper or pen or anything with him. And he says, if the lyrics are good enough, then you'll remember them. And so that's how they had to write the song. His family, after they had left Spain, had lived in Oklahoma at some point, and they actually left Oklahoma after the Dust Bowl and ended up in California. So he and Garth had this kind of connection, the Oklahoma to California connection. And I thought it was funny that it actually ended up in the song. There's a line that says, this may be California, but Oklahoma's in her eyes. For the two of them, that, that was kind of funny to me. The thing I noticed about this song, uh, just kind of sitting and listening to it, was the the turn of phrase and I had never I'd heard the song over the years but I had never really realized the double meaning of it before it's one of those things you hear a million times and then all of a sudden you hear it differently and people are probably gonna laugh at me because everyone else probably got this immediately but the I've got a good thing going I just always took it at face value like man I've got this good thing going but it's I've got a good thing going as in walking out the door and I had never made that connection before right. until I was really sitting and listening to it but it was clever and Garth has a few songs like that where there's an interesting turn of phrase that like when you get it it's a very clever lyric and so that was the thing that kind of stood out to me the most about the song that and it has a very old school beat it the the it was kind of the bump a bump but like the old country it reminded me of like like the Roy Rogers characters like the riding along what they played behind the horseback like a very traditional <laughs> so as opposed to the last song that was like the upbeat heartache this is just like a very traditional very very country beat those are the big things for me did, did you guys pick out anything about the song or is there anything that stands out to you yeah, actually, it's funny now when I hear this song, this is, so I have to give a little bit of our history. So if you guys listen to the first podcast, you know that we are all three in different places. Pete and I live in California and Jess lives in Oklahoma. And so, but Jess used to live in California. And so we got to hang out a lot. Now, when I hear this song and I have the line, this may be California, but Oklahoma's in her eyes. I think of you now, Jess, when I hear that song, because once you made that decision to move back to Oklahoma, 
it was California, but Oklahoma's in her eyes. So now whenever I hear that, that's what I think of every time. Oh, I'm going to think of that now. <laughs> now. Now it takes me back to the day where we serviced the car and got the car ready for you to drive back home. And I'm like, oh, it makes perfect sense. Got, Cal you know, California and Oklahoma in her eyes. Now, now that's Jess's song. Yes, exactly. <laughs> now we're all going to think of that. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Every time, every time without fail, that's what I think of. So that's my big takeaway from that song. I don't know, Pete, if you had anything else, but that yeah, was mine. That, that's pretty good. I don't know that I'll be able to top it. But I, I think, you know, like you said, that uh, same thing going back to the uh, last song, I'm not counting you, that that um, the, the difference, the two ways to look at the song with one lyric or one line, it's like, wow, it's crazy. It's, you're right. Garth has a couple of those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he really does. Well, we're going to go on into the next song. We're going to take it to Deb, I think, has, has song number three. Yes. So song number three on this album is If Tomorrow Never Comes. And the thought crosses my mind If I never wake up in the morning Would she ever doubt The way I feel about her in my heart if tomorrow never comes, will she know? The song was written by Kent Blasey and Garth Brooks. It was released as a single on August 21st, 1989. It was the, actually the first song that Garth had ever written with Kent Blasey. It was their introduction to each other. And Garth talks about in Anthology Part One how he had actually given it to two or three other writers and they all passed on it. They didn't see anything there. They didn't, they didn't, just didn't get it. So when he met with Kent for the first time and Kent asked him if he had anything to work on, Garth told him, yeah, I have this song, but no one's liked it, which Kent thought was pretty funny that a brand new person that you've just met would have said, yeah, I have this song, but nobody likes it. <laughs> so I thought that was, I thought that was great. And there's some, a little bit of discussion in the book also that it maybe really means something personal to Garth because he lost a college um, friend of his. And so the song really meant a lot to him for that reason. And it actually was supposed to be the third song released on the album, but it was so good and they knew they had something when they heard it. And they were getting such great reception in the live shows about it that they ended up moving it up. And so it was the second song single that they released from the album. And Mike Chapman, who was Garth's longtime studio bassist, actually told Garth before they started recording it that it would be his first number one single. And he was right. It was. It was Garth's first number one single. And unfortunately, Mike passed away in 2016. So I'm sure now that the words, so tell that someone that you love, just what you're thinking of, if tomorrow never comes, really means a lot to Garth, knowing that Mike believed so much in this song. So that really touched me in reading that in the anthology. Um, that really meant a lot to me because I think those words especially get to me every single time I hear the song. Doesn't matter how many times I hear it, that will always be my favorite line. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, in the Netflix special, The Road I'm On, Garth actually makes mention of uh, that story where they were sitting somewhere and um, he was told, you know, he goes, congratulations on your number one. Garth says, my, my first number one. He goes, how do you know? It's not, you know, it's on the charts. It's at this. And he goes, no. He goes, I've heard a lot of songs. He goes, that, that's a number one song. And sure enough, it ended up being a number one song. Yep, sure was. Oh, oh I'm sad just it's... thinking about it now. I know, you know, that's one of those that even when I was a kid, I remember, I mean, I don't remember the moment the song came out, but I remember knowing the song and it affected me a lot. Even then I remember listening to it and it, and having it really make me think and not so much about relationships because I was too young for that. So, I mean, not about boys or men at that point, but even just people in my life, like I remember thinking about like my mom, you know, kids can be bratty. And I remember like really having this like existential moment and thinking like, gosh, if something happened to her or to me, or would she know that I love her and that she's a great mom? And, and I remember having a couple of moments, like, I think I wrote a letter that was like, you know, dear mom, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a jerk. But I really, you know, but, but it did, it made me think about life and, and things. So I, it's one of those things, like when you put music out there, when you tell your story or probably any media, when you write a book or whatever, like you just never know how it's going to impact people. And I think, all ages, all walks of life. That was one of those songs that just impacted a lot of people. Sure. Cause listening to Garth from, you know, my mid teen years, I listened to the music. I listened to the lyrics. I fell in love with them. And at that time I was not really about the lyrics like I am today, but if tomorrow never comes sure took on a different level of importance to me once I had kids and got married with my wife and I sit back and I'm like, man, you know, like, am I doing a good enough job to let them know, you know, everything? I mean, just in general. And every time that song comes on, that's what I think about now. I think about, you know, have I done what's needed to be done for my wife and kids? I think about, you know, my grandmother and close friends, family members that have passed. It's it's crazy how you get older in life and yet a older song with the same lyrics takes on a completely different meaning, you know, the older you get. Absolutely. Yeah. Now we're going to go to Pete and he's going to talk about the fourth song from the album. I am, I am. I do get the fourth song. The name of the fourth song off the album is Every Time That It Rains. We turned off the sign and locked the rain outside the door. Every time that it rains, I can hear her heart calling. Every Time That It Rains was written by Charlie Steffel, Ty England, and Garth Brooks. It was the fourth released song on the album. And as far as I was able to find, it never reached any type of chart number on any of the country award charts or billboard. Um, and it was never released as a single off of the album by itself. It was just cut as the fourth song on the Garth Brooks album. Garth was playing at the Bluebird one night and Charlie Steffel was in the audience. And at one point he had approached Garth with a list of people on it that he thought was a good list of people for Garth to meet now that he was in Nashville. One of those people being Bob Doyle. And it was funny 
because in the anthology, Garth had mentioned that at that point he had already knew Bob Doyle. But while the two of them were talking about these people that Garth should meet and one that Garth was already in contact with, Garth had asked Charlie uh, if he wrote songs, in which Charlie replied, yeah, he does. He is. He was a writer. And at that point, before they separated their ways that night, they had set up a time to meet and uh, write a song with one another. The way that Ty got introduced into the song or a part of this meeting was Ty and Garth had always had this agreement from their college days that if they ever got a chance to sit down and write music, that they would do it together. If Ty got a chance to write music, he'd call in Garth. Same thing. Garth got a chance to write music, he'd call in Ty. So Garth reached out to Ty and said, hey, I'm sitting down with this guy named Charlie and we're going to write some music and I want you to be there. So at the time of the meeting, it was Charlie and Ty and Garth and they sat down to write the song and Garth says that a lot of times with these songs that you have an idea for, you come up with a title or the song has a meaning of something that takes you way back, maybe a past relationship or something that just reminds you of this time. And then there the storytelling begins. This song actually goes back to a relationship that Garth had had in Oklahoma there was something that had happened in the relationship where it just seemed when they were together, it was always raining. So when they sat down to write the song, every time that it rains was an easy title, but very hard to come up with the lyrics and the way to put the song together. And what I find interesting about this song and the way they wrote it was what Jess had already mentioned. They went And they just decided that they were going to get up again, walk around a neighborhood, no pencil, no paper. And they were just going to come up with the lyrics, come up with the song. And that's what they did. He mentioned after several, several blocks of just walking with no care, no paper, no pen, no agenda, but to write the song, the lyrics were there. And by the time that they got back to the driveway of that house where they met, they had the song written. The lyrics were there. And they came up with the song. It was, uh, to me, it's crazy. I could see, well, I can't see how one could do that or three guys could do it. But the fact that apparently this was something that happened on a pretty regular basis with other songs and writers, how they can do that and remember it and come up with it is, is, is a special kind of talent I wish I had. Ultimately, when they came back with the song, it was done. There was no paper, no pens. Like I said, the lyrics were there. They sat down, they recorded it out it came and and to me it's like i remember listening to the song just going over the lyrics i went to a time where my wife and i my wife of now and i we left high school early one day and uh, we went and grabbed some coffee at a local coffee shop and cruised down to the beach and it was raining like crazy and listening to the song totally took me right back to that day We actually saved a baby seal that was beached on the beach that day in the rain while drinking coffee when we should have been at school, but we're not going to tell anybody that. (laughs) But as soon as I heard the song where it goes back to the lyrics about rain and, you know, how he mentions that it takes you back to that one time, it instantly took me back to that memory. Not a memory I think about ever, but the lyrics reminded me of that. So now I could take this song and these lyrics, some of the lyrics, and put it right to that story with my wife and I. It was, it was pretty crazy. It was, uh, it was crazy, crazy how that does that. That's awesome. And that's, uh, yeah, that's that song for me. 
Um, so that's that's what I got from the song. Like I said, it took me right back to to a story of Steph and I. And did you do you kind of get? It reminds me of a mix of that summer and somewhere other than the night. Like oh, a yeah, weird, I get like that. if had a baby, it would be this song. <laughs> it would be this yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't think about that, but as soon as you said it, I thought, oh yeah, it yep, it, absolutely. You can that's you funny. can piece that two together. That's and crazy. because like that summer there's like the thing with the memory like every time i pass a wheat field yeah and then this is like every time that it rains and then there's a whole thing with the apron like somewhere other than the night she's only in the apron right but the, the descriptions in the song i thought were really good too because there is the thing about when it talks about her removing the apron and then a couple of times it repeats i think during the chorus when it says I can see that dress fallen. Like it's just an evocative image. And so, and then when it repeats, like you see it, it's just like a little story of these yeah. people that you yeah. know. So good job to them. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. But they just walked around and bit that right out. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing that surprises me the most in it is that they don't end up together. Right. It seems like they're mm -hmm. really in it and that it means a lot. And then they just go, Oops. nope, we're going to be friends. So that, yeah. that's always been a surprise to me. Every time I hear the song, I'm always like, oh, that's right. They end up just being friends. Yeah. Yeah. Good song, song though. though. Really yeah. good song. Yeah. It's crazy to hear other songs that have become single releases off of different albums and not just this album, but other albums. And then you go back and you hear these songs that didn't have that opportunity and you're like, well, why not? It could have done it. You know, I'm pretty sure it could have done it. Why not? But yeah. And it could be that had it been on any other album, it could have been released as a single. Right. All right. Now we're going to go back to Jess for song number five off the album. So like Pete said, this is the fifth song off of the album. Um, this is the last song we're going to touch on today. And then um, next time we're going to pick up with the other half of the album. The fifth song is Alabama Clay. So we slipped away one night neath the harvest moon. His neck was red as Alabama clay But the city's gone, pulled him away He's got a factory job and runs a big machine He don't miss the farm or the fields of This song, Garth says, actually, he wishes had been a single. So this is one of those that maybe could have been a single, could have done it, but didn't get the chance. I actually was never familiar with this song until I got to see Garth live a couple times. And when they started doing housekeeping, I actually learned the song. I maybe had heard it before, but I really learned it and kind of got an appreciation for it in housekeeping because people requested it a lot. And so to me, it was kind of like Lonesome Dove, which was what I'm always hoping people ask for in housekeeping. I'm like, it's one of those that not many people probably listen to or know. And I feel like Alabama Clay is like that. Like it's one that people are out there hoping that somebody asks for or gets their sign picked so that we get to hear a little bit of it. But um, I listened to it with a specific ear for this and, and maybe have even a bigger appreciation for it now. It was written by Larry Cordell and Ronnie Scaife or Scaifey. I apologize if I'm butchering that. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. So Garth didn't write on this one, but I feel like he, he really loved it. And like I said, he wished it had been a single. So I think he had a lot of faith in this song. Um, Bob Doyle said 
and again this came from the anthology book but he said the song basically asks what have I given up to get where I am and again this is one of those that I feel like if you listen to the words anybody can really identify with that but it's about you know a guy leaving home and he goes away from everything he's known and he goes into the city to work and even though this is you know a guy going in and taking a factory job a lot of people leave where they're from for whatever reason and if it's to go to work or to go to school or whatever years later you can look and be like was this a good decision some people go home some people don't go home but there is always that you know, wherever you end up in life like you trade it off where you started so there's always a little bit of is it worth you know from where you came to where you are garth said also from the anthology the first five years book that alabama clay is the first song where garth brooks grew and i could really when i heard that quote i was like i'm gonna listen to the song because he said there's the the musical influences that he had like journey and boston and queen you really start to hear and so i went back and listened to it and you really do i was surprised because i never would have thought that but the harmonies in this song sounds like garth like the garth we know now because when i went back and i was listening to the other songs it's a sound it's very early country it's very what was happening at that time in music but alabama clay is very garth and it's very even what garth is now you hear it in the harmony and you hear it in the music at the end of the um lines in the chorus there's like that bomb bomb drum beat and that wasn't happening in country music at the time but it, it's garth to me like when i listened to it i was like i know this from other garth music but i it made me appreciate this song in a different way that i never really had had listened to or probably would have listened to if if I hadn't heard that quote by Garth. Um, those are kind of the big takeaways that I took from the song. It's a great story, but those were the things that meant the most to me was just the, that the beginning of that Garth sound. But did you guys pick out anything specific or did it mean anything to you? You know, I didn't really necessarily pick out anything specific that you haven't mm -hmm. touched on as far as, you know, the, the Garth sound and the way that the, the drum was in the, in the instruments in the background. But to me with that song, every time, I've never been to Alabama. I don't know what Alabama clay is, but every time that that song comes on, it takes me to this river edge, uh, you know, some lake dock somewhere. And I, I see myself in, you know, red, muddy boots, fishing in the country somewhere. And it's, and I don't know, every, every time the Alabama clay is set, it just, it, no matter where I'm at, I mean, I could be on the golf course, I could be in the car, song comes on, and it's playing loud. And it just takes me to, I've never been, but it puts me in Alabama in some clay somewhere, fishing on the dock. It was somewhere I've never been. I've never seen the place. I just imagine it, and it's awesome. I can't wait to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Here at Oklahoma, we have red dirt here is what they call it, but it's the same. Like, I think of it when I hear Alabama clay. I think of you go Yeah, I have no problem calling it yeah. Oklahoma clay. Let's go. I'll do it. I get to come see right? you. No problem. We'll just change the lyrics. Everything you own will be stained red. <laughs> or we'll all meet in Hawaii. They have red dirt in Hawaii also, so we'll go there. Yeah, we could do that. Stephanie would like that. But see, I'd like Oklahoma for the country part of it, right? Camo hat, camo pants, Oklahoma red Alabama clay on I my mean, boots. You could do that in Hawaii, but you'd probably get some looks. Here you sure. People would look at me. Camouflage tank top. <laughs>
You know what I really, I really like about the song is it seems like, you know, he went, he left home because he thought there was something better out there. And then he went to a boring, monotonous job that ended up not being what he wanted and then got that letter and then went back home. And then it seems like, because I don't think many people get second chances, it seems like his second chance worked out so much better than the first one. Okay, so that covers us for the first five songs of the first Garth Brooks album. So for podcast number three, we will cover the second five songs of the first album. Well, it's a little bit confusing, but it'll make sense in the end. So we're all done with the album part of it. So now we're going to talk a little bit about breaking Garth news for this week. So I know the first thing I wanted to bring up was the new Facebook Studio G360 that happened this week, which was super cool. That was really, really, really neat. How I didn't get a permanent seat in the 360, I don't know. I mean, I was trying to pretend like I text Garth and called him. I didn't get a seat. Yeah, I I didn't get a seat either. Gosh darn it. I was sitting by my email just waiting, tapping my fingers going, come on never got it but it was super cool seeing all the fans that way and you could tell I think Garth and Trisha really loved it being able to interact with people again after all this COVID stuff I think that was really a big deal for them yeah you know they've been doing the the specials that they did um, on Facebook live and the fact that the requests were sent in via Twitter or Instagram or however it was you get to see a recording of that person asking the Ask Garths or the request for the songs. I think it was as real as it could be performing to a somewhat live studio audience during these crazy times with COVID. Um, but I definitely think there was a different meaning there for both of them. Uh, you could see it in, in, in the way that they, they talked and the way that they reacted. I think even Garth had mentioned it uh, on one of the releases that um, when he said thank you, it took a lot for him not to cry because he was just so overjoyed that there was actual people interaction other than the people who've been in their bubble during all of this time. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And I liked, you know, there was a lot of information that came out of that video, too. He confirmed that uh, their recording of Shallow from Star is Born will be on the fun album that it did make the cut. Yeah. They also hinted at, and Pete reminded me of this, they hinted at a restaurant and museum in Nashville. Right. I, uh, to me, it's like, I mean, I follow Garth pretty darn closely and, you know, you always sit there when you got some downtime or I do anyway, and, you know, Google search different things. And it, well, that was being one of them. Luke's got a, a restaurant and bar top there. Al Dean's got one. Florida Georgia Line's got one in Nashville. And I wondered, when is it going to be Garth and Garth Trisha? And you'd look for it. You don't get anything. And then somebody came up with the question during the Inside Studio G360 and Garth said, that they aren't supposed to talk about it. But I think his answer was he shook his head yes and said no. Um, But obviously it sounds to me like there's something that's going to be in the work there. So that'll be really cool. I've always wanted to go to Nashville. That opens. I'll be there for sure. Yes. Road trip. That's right. Absolutely. I don't know where Oklahoma is between here and Nashville or if it's out of the way, but we'll come get you, Jess. No problem. (laughs) You're going to pass right by me. So you just pick me up. Long drive, but. 
Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Uh, let's see. In that, they also talked about Inside Studio T, that Trisha's going to get her own Inside Studio T. So that'll be cool. I'm excited for her to have that. Um, another news bit that I found outside of the Facebook 360 is it's called the Grammy Museum in Mississippi. Um, Garth did some uh, donations to them in the past. He actually donated a guitar to that museum in the past, and it was, um, it's been shown there, and he was helping them raise money. And they actually announced that there will be a Garth Brooks exhibit on display at the Grammy Museum in Mississippi starting fairly soon, and it will run through the spring of 2021. So if we can get past this COVID thing, then maybe we can also go to Mississippi. Yeah. We could just make a road trip out of stopping by and seeing cool Garth Brooks stuff. Like, you know what? We could start it. Vegas in February. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's right. yes. Yes, we can. Yep. So, Jess, you fly into Vegas. Right. And then we all drive back. So, right. Just get a one way ticket. <laughs> then we'll drive you back. We'll hit Mississippi. We'll hit Nashville. We'll hang out. We'll see all the Garth sites. And then Pete and I will come home and relive those moments over and over and over again. Hold on I'm a second. In. Hold on. Uh-oh, here it goes. Can we go to Alabama so I can play in the clay? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's going to be right there, too. Oh, this is up. fantastic. <laughs> We're going to come up with a Garth road trip. Oh, well, we are imagine? on a road. Right, so. see? We could do different podcast episodes from different areas, you know, like, hey, you know, we're recording today from Alabama Clay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to get back to normal. Great. This could go on forever. <laughs> we're getting way out of control. That's awesome. Coming soon to you. Right. <laughs> so that was all the news that I had. So a couple of reminders to everybody out there. Don't forget to visit our website, garthology.com. And after this podcast goes up there, we will actually link to some of the things we discussed. So I'll link to the museum. We'll link to Garth's 360 video, that type of thing. So be sure and visit our website. Also, I know another thing, speaking of the website and people going there, we have been fortunate enough in the first couple of weeks of this for a lot of social media friends, we could call them now, that have liked and retweeted some of our stuff. They've followed us on Twitter and Instagram. We would definitely like to share some of their content, some of their pictures and videos and things that maybe they have. So we are open to accepting those pictures if they want us to share them on our social media. Uh, they can message them to us directly via Twitter or Instagram, Facebook. Uh, and or on the website. And then from there, we could put that content up on those social medias with, you know, a caption that they might want it to say. It'll help get some of their stuff out there. And for us to be able to enjoy it, it'll help us in a bunch of different ways as well. So that's always available too. And uh, they, at the website, there are the links to each of those social medias and our email to send them. Absolutely. We would love to show showcase some of that stuff. That would be great. Don't forget to go on to your podcast platform of choice and give us a rating and give us a review. We would love that. That will help us to get out there and get heard. Um, the more people that hear us, the more um, interaction we'll get, hopefully get some more of those stories and pictures that we can then post for everybody to enjoy. 
Right. And when they're there, if they could just make sure to subscribe, they don't have to wait and keep checking back to when the episodes come out. Uh, they'll automatically get a reminder uh, if they subscribe to them. And if we're able to get some of that stuff and uh, maybe as this keeps going and gets on, we could have a we could have our own uh, Garthology podcast 360, but we could bring them on because we don't have the money to get all those TVs. But then come on, join us and tell stories and, you know, they would get them on the podcast as well. That would be great. This Zoom can hold like 100 people. So I'm all for bringing people on and we'll just record everybody. It'll be awesome. Could you imagine we're here with 99 people and then the 100th is Garth and Trisha? Knock, knock. <laughs> can we come in? <laughs> Absolutely. That That's would be awesome. cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that wraps it up for episode number two. And we look forward to recording episode number three, where we will finish off with the last five songs of Garth Brooks's first album. So that's it for Garthology. Thank you for joining us. And I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Bye, everybody. Bye. Finish it! Finish it! (laughs) You're not drinking this time. You're right, I'm not. I have water. You had a little drink drink last time. You were like, let's do it. You're right. I should have had Fireball again. (laughs) 